0: Welcome to the Shepherd's Creek Podcast. This ministry exists to provide coaching, resources, and events for pastors and church members. My name is Jared Sparks. Join me as I talk pastoral ministry, applied theology like manhood and womanhood, political theology, and cultural analysis with a little bit of hunting and fishing thrown in. I'm a husband, a father, and a pastor, and I'm here to remind you of the chief pastor and our King, Jesus. back to the shepherds creek podcast. Hope you guys are having a great day today. We're continuing our series on personal dogma versus congregational dogma and trying to answer the question about these secondary issues, how we can agree to disagree on doctrines that we personally should be fully convinced about. So we've been in Romans chapter 14 and we have been talking about particularly verse 5. One person esteems one day better than the other, while another person esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So, we've been using this as a diving board and thinking about these other secondary doctrines or tertiary doctrines that we can, uh, for lack of a better way to say, it, we can agree to disagree on in a generous manner as we seek to understand one another. And what I've seen right now in the broader evangelical world, and as we look at the Reformed confessional world, both Presbyterians and Baptists, and as we look at the patriarchal world right now, and all the things that are popular and growing, uh, even with post millennialism and that group, what I've seen is fissures. And splits and backbiting and fighting over the way we articulate these secondary doctrines. And what I, I see is a pulling these secondary doctrines way, way, way in in a narrow fashion in this thing that Scott Tungay talks about in a uh, purity spiral type of way, where you're in or out based on these the the particular way that you see this particular doctrine that until five minutes ago hasn't been a issue that's been of of primary importance. And so what we're doing is going through these different things like particular days being more significant than other days. And so thinking about Sabbatarian or non-Sabbatarian or in the context of Romans chapter 14 is talking about foods, talking about doctrines like that, and then asking how we can dwell together in unity and not divide. So the last few weeks we've been going through eschatology, we went through the gifts of the Spirit, and today I want to talk about the law of God. And In the last three years, there has been a massive recovery of not just the third use of God's law, but also the second use of God's law, which would be in the civic realm. And I want to talk about the different fissures or splits or divisions that could happen with that and how we can be unified in a congregation with people that accept theonomy and theonomic principles as the Reconstructionists articulated or the Puritans articulated it, as R.J. Rush Dooney articulated it in his earlier years, as Gary North espoused, and those that would not agree with that and would be more of a two-kingdom where we're not going to apply God's law in this same way as they do, and yet we can be unified. We can have a body that sees things differently and still function as a healthy body. So let's go and pray and ask the Lord's help, and we're going to trust that he gives it. Father, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy upon us. We love you, and we want to honor you in the life of the church. We want to honor you as your people, and we don't want to be wishy-washy. We want to be people with backbone, people with conviction, people that are fully convinced in our own mind about what we believe and why we believe it biblically. But then with brothers and sisters that we love, that you love, we want to identify then how unified we are as a congregation. And then in these areas, these particular areas and applications of these doctrines, when we disagree on how they should be applied, then help us to say, okay, well, I see where you're coming from. And, you know, we can go out to eat and have lunch together on a Sunday morning. And enjoy each other's fellowship, even if we disagree on these issues. And uh, and more broadly, in just the church right now, Father, I pray for unity. And uh, we we really do need to be unified in a manner that's not sloppy. We don't need sloppy ecumenicism, as I've talked about in the past. But God, we do want to honor you and be unified. So help us, and we trust that you're going to. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, when I first started this series, I kind of thought there would be a lot of different theological categories that we could agree to disagree on. And as I began to look through, I was just looking through systematic theologies and looking through our confession of faith and really considering how unified the church really is doctrinally. And you might think, well, I don't know, there's a lot of splits, there's a lot of division, there's, there's a lot of churches that aren't unified, and I guess that's true, but when it comes to the central doctrines of the Christian faith, we really are unified, and there's not a whole lot of secondary doctrines, because what the Bible teaches is generally clear, and so you're getting into issues when you start thinking about these, these outside of the, you know, the core of the central uh, doctrines of the Christian faith, you start thinking, well, okay, I guess there is a little bit like with eschatology and gifts of the Spirit and the law of God. There are a few categories that we can see things different and be fully convinced about. And you know, like like Romans 14 days, you know, are are you that hardline Sabbatarian? No lunch on the way home. Nobody's allowed to work on a Sunday morning. And uh, not only are you not going to work on a Sunday morning, but you're not going to okay, you get it. Uh, no recreation. You're not going to go for a Sunday walk. You're not going to go outside and uh, enjoy playing frisbee with your son. Okay, that thing. There's not too many doctrines like that. However, I think the law of God is one of those doctrines as well in our application. So in the 1950s, 60s, so Cornelius Van Til was a huge monumental theologian and professor who started to popularize some ideas that many people then ran with and popularized and recovered what I think is a recovery of puritanical understanding of the second use of God's law, which would be reformational understanding of the second use of God's law. There are people that are going to disagree with what I even just said. For instance, like Stephen Wolf in our conversation that we had, I don't know, six or eight months ago, you can look that up. And he <clears throat> traces his position of Christian nationalism and the use of God's law in the public realm and the, the, um, The requirement of obedience in the public square to the first table of God's law, he traces that back to a different spot and starting spot and doesn't agree that modern day Reconstructionists, with the names we've already thrown around, he does not agree that they are in the Puritan tradition. I disagree with Stephen Wolfe because... In reading the Puritans, even the New England Puritans in the backside of the Puritan era, because the Puritan era in England was the 1550s to the 1650s, and then you have the bleed of that as they came over and established in New England a real robust New England Puritanism. And as you read those Puritans, I've got Cotton Mather up on my shelf and the great works of America that he put out Mm -hmm. that was published by Banner of Truth. As you begin to read, they did have a robust understanding of the second use of the law so to quickly run through the three uses of the law you have the first use of the law which is to drive you to christ it it is this uh the purity of god's law that exposes the sinner to his own sin and drives the sinner to his uh savior jesus that's the idea and this is where lutherans are exceptional lutherans tend to camp out in that first use of the law and seem to not move past that at all and we're going to say how uh, reformed confessional folks who tend to stay in that first use, we can still stay and, and dwell together in unity. Uh, I think there needs to be a more robust understanding of how we articulate these uses of the law and not just stay there at the first used. But that, that in the gospel center movement is what seems to have happened. You begin to talk about the law in uh, at the courthouse or the law just as a like the law was laid down, not for the just, but for the unjust. How was the law of God laid down for the unjust? And I'm telling you, the gospel centered world doesn't go there, doesn't touch it with a 10 foot pole. And yet there are brothers, uh, they're going to articulate things differently, but they are our brothers. And then that third use, which is to instruct the Christian on how to live the, the brother and sister in Christ who have been driven to Christ, who never leave that first use of the law. When it comes to their understanding of justification, we never slide justification from that first use to the third use and say that the law of God is the way by which we are justified. We don't confuse those two. But when we're solid of our first use of the law and we get to that third use where God's commandments were the commandments that are included in the great commission teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, we love God's law. But when we begin to think about God's law and we just say God's law, there's going to be many different answers on from believers within the congregation of what that is and how that applies and which laws apply. When we talk about the law of God, And if you're into Greg Bonson and you listen to Greg Bonson lectures or read Greg Bonson books and his central argument after, uh, out of Matthew chapter 5. And if you think about the application of the Old Testament law and what has uh, continued on, what hasn't continued on, is it the ceremonial law and the moral law and and the civic law? How how do all these things apply um, to today when we think about God's law in the Old Testament? And so... There's many different divisions that can happen by the answers we give to these questions. And so this is the point where I think we need to drive home unity because the articulation of God's law is a very difficult and complicated thing. When you start thinking about covenant theology and all the divisions that have been there in Presbyterianism and the Baptist world as well, and how we articulate the covenants, it's a very difficult conversation to have. When you think about covenant theology, there's layers to it, and the way those that espouse classic covenant theology articulate that covenant theology is often unique and different than somebody else. When you get into Baptist covenant theology and trying to understand the covenants and the covenant of grace and when is it established, some of that conversation can be very difficult. It's the same thing with God's law. And when you get into this conversation about theonomy, okay, as far as God's moral law and his civil law, what has passed away in the civil law and what is what is it that we have to take uh, that law and the general equity thereof and apply today, As many people as you ask that question, you're going to get as many answers back. And what I love over the last three years is that people have been zeroing in and trying to rediscover the Reconstructionists and the Puritans and going back to the Reformers and understanding, okay, what does God's word say when it comes to God's law for the believer and for the non-believing world? And then what do we do about it? There's so much recovery going on right now, and in the midst of that recovery, There's going to be people that see things clearly and they feel like that this is absolutely what we have to do and how we have to do it. And there's going to be others who are looking at the same texts of Scripture and saying, I don't know if that's the exact way it's to be done. I don't know if those laws or that law applies today in that way. And there's going to be a head-scratcher where the brothers that we love... And there may be even pastors, and pastors are going to articulate this differently. And there there are going to be those that see theonomy for the first time, and they're going to say, this theonomy theonomy is the greatest thing I've heard. This is phenomenal. Praise God we've needed this. We need the law of God to direct our lives and to direct non-Christians' lives. This is great. Others are going to hear theonomy, and they're going to look at capital punishment and consider it, and they're going to think, I don't know if I like that. I know I got I like God's law, but I don't know how this applies. I don't know how these apply today. And there's going to be still questions then about how we can dwell together in unity. Now pastors, when it comes to online friendships, when it comes to local associations and denominations, have to understand that we've got to be generous with one another in how we apply God's law. Because there's been so many disagreements down throughout the history of how the law is applied, I think it's wise, like with eschatology, and I think it's wise like with the gifts of the Spirit and cessationists, I think it's wise to walk humbly in these particular areas. If you take your theonomy and you become, and I see this a lot, and especially when I was on Twitter, when you are a cage stage theonomist, you can do a lot of damage, not necessarily because you're wrong, but again, because how you take that secondary issue or doctrine, the application of God's law in public life or in the life of the believer, and you bring that to the center and then what ends up happening is a purity spiral. If you don't see this as a central doctrine in the way I see it as a central doctrine, then you're outside of the camp. And this is the whole point of this series. In, in these conversations, that can be difficult. And you can listen to Jeff Durbin, and you can listen to James White, or you can listen to Douglas Wilson, and you're thinking, I just I don't know. I don't see it that way. I don't think it's a point of division. Uh, to where we can't be together and come to the table together and receive together as brothers and sisters in Christ. I think we need to work through, the, through these things humbly. Uh, and, and again, not to mean that these are unimportant. We should be fully convinced in our own mind. These things matter, and they matter tremendously as we've seen the last few years. But when it comes to God's law and its application in the home church in the world, I think we have to be generous with one another. Guys, thanks so much. I hope this has been helpful. And I hope this series in particular has been helpful. I don't know how much longer this series is going to go. I do have some new things that I want to work through. We're going to be talking about vaccines here very uh, very soon. I've got some new works that I'm going to be working through. And I want to be helping you think through as a church and as church families. And uh, to be thinking through this with your pastors at, at your home church, how do you think through vaccination and everything that uh, we know? If you've been listening to this for a while, you haven't taken the the one, you know, the, the shot that will get me censored. Um, but how do you think about all of them when it comes to your children? I've got to be careful now that I'm posting this stuff on YouTube, would I say? How do you think about all that stuff? And, uh, we're going to be working through that. So I'm, I'm trying to think through practical issues that would be helpful, uh, to you as, uh, as we work through this material. So I don't know how many more issues we're going to have or series, uh, episodes in this series we're going to have, but uh, certainly the material will keep coming and uh, I want it to be helpful and, uh, and equipping to you. I really want it to be helpful and equipping. Um, okay, thanks so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, share, uh, go over and check out the Sons and Slaves podcast and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Thanks again for listening to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. For more information, you can go to shepherdscrook.co. Please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes and if you want to become a member of the Shepherd's Crook, please message me and we'll get you on the list. We hope you have a great rest of your day.